Okay, so my job in the project was to look at Jewish manuscripts containing not the descriptions of principles of calendar reckoning, but the actual calendar tables to study the contents of those calendar tables and to see how they fit together with the principles of calendar reckoning described in calendrical manuals and monographs. And it is the results of this study of the actual calendar tables that I'm going to present to you today. But before I go into the tables themselves, I want to situate my talk calendrically by saying that the entire material that I looked at comes from the time when the principles of calculating the Jewish calendar have been at least worked out established and publicly known. Um, there may have been differences in quite how people calculated, little differences, but in principle the system was there. The calendar was no longer observational or was no longer secret. It was a, an, open, an open thing and um, according to a Jewish Genius, Moses Maimonides, a simple thing as well. He said the calculation is so simple that even school children can grasp it within three or four days. Uh, well, not everybody is a genius, and as this Karadinizer um, source tells us, um, people, people's calendrical knowledge was on different levels. There were people who studied calendar science so much they could work everything out from first principles. But there were also people who studied less, and what they could do is they could refer to certain reference tables that contained um, pre-calculated data, extract this pre-calculated data from various tables, put it together, and produce a calendar for the time range that they were interested in. Yet others could not do even this, could not even work with reference tables, and we do find those reference tables in the manuscripts as well, they actually had to use a ready-made calendar. And although the text doesn't say so, I would argue the majority would be using ready-made calendars and not putting together their, their calendar. Um, now, what are ready-made calendars. When I say ready-made calendar, we might think of the thing we normally have on the wall now for one year and listing all days of this one year. Um, not so medieval Jewish calendars. It was not until um, into the age of printing that a calendar for one year entered the Jewish tradition. Uh, ready-made medieval and uh, medieval ready-made Jewish calendars covered a large range of years. This small passage of a calendar that I'm giving you here covers 57 years. And each year is actually just one cell of this table. So each datum here is for is enough calendrical information um, for one year. The table is arranged in columns or rows of 19 because those columns or some or rows represent the 19-year cycles of intercalation. So 12 years of 12 months and 7 years of 13 months and those years are pointed out with this iron here for Ibur intercalation. 
So you, from the position of the year in the table, you already know how many months the, the year will have. Um, and now if you wanted to use this calendar, you would figure out where your year is in the table, either by using the date or, uh, because not all tables have dates, by using the number of the 19-year cycle. 19-year cycles are also numbered from creation. And you can figure out how to convert the Annamundi date into a date uh, according to the number of the cycle, say year 20 is the first year of cycle two, and you can use this system. Uh, when, once you've found your year, the data here gives you the beginning, the, the first, the day of the week of the beginning of the year, the length of the two variable months that the Jewish year can have, and also um, the position of the year in the table tells you how many months it'll have. These three pieces of data, the day of the week of the beginning of the year, the length of the months and the number of the months actually give you all the information to lay out the entire course of the important events in the year. And what's important about the year is when months begin, when festivals are, when fasts are, and how to divide the Bible to read it in the synagogue for that particular year. It won't give you information about your birthday, but this is not important in a, um, in a medieval ready-made calendar. Um, calendars like this are found in manuscripts of very different types, not just um, calendrical or astronomical manuscripts, rather in prayer books, in biblical codices, in legal codices, and all those non-technical manuscripts. They can cover... Um, a range of years, sort of normally a multiple of 19, they can cover over a thousand years, normally shorter, of course. And what they do is they give you calendrical security. What if you can't fix the calendar? What if nobody in your environment can fix the calendar? This table in, uh, in a practical manuscript gives you security that you will not go without a calendar. So they're very important. Um, However, if you study the, co the actual contents, the actual information that they give year by year, you find out that those tables are of two different types. Um, some tables are actually based on the standard calculation and faithfully represent the results as <clears throat> of the standard calculation. The data is what you would calculate for the particular range of years that the table tells that it wants to cover, and it is produced for those particular years, whereas other group of tables are based on the claim that the Jewish calendar is reiterative. That is, that you can calculate a certain range of data and can reuse it over and over again. And tables like this are usually not calculated for a particular range of years, but are copied from older tables by reusing older data. Um, it is these reiterative tables that constituted the, the main bulk of my research, and I will soon tell you why, and they will also constitute the main bulk of my um, talk. Now, what is reiterative Jewish calendar? I told you that um, Jewish calendar tables normally cover, uh, consist of rows or columns of 19 years, sort of cover the information by 19-year cycle. 
And quite a large group of tables contain exactly 13 19-year cycles, which equals 247 years. And they are told, and the information in those tables is said to recur forever. They often have a title, something like 13 cycles that recur forever or that repeat themselves forever. There are they, these are a large group of sources, over 200 manuscripts and prints. The manuscripts are from all geographic, geocultural areas of the Jewish world. The prints are more limited simply because printed, printing was more limited. You find them uh, over a large range of centuries from sometime in the 12th century and you have sources up to the 19th centuries. Um, let's look at one such table to give you an idea, and then I'll tell you what's the problem with them. So here is an example of such reiterative calendar. It consists, if you count, of precisely 13 19-year cycles. It, is, it says to cover 19-year cycles 264 up to 276, counted from creation. Um, and you can use this table as it is for the range of years that it covers. And then under the table, uh, in the source in Hebrew, not in my English transmission, it says that if you run out of calendrical information, if you live somewhere in the 19-year cycle 267, which is in the 15th century, so if you run out and are despairing, then in cycle 277, which is not as such indicated in the table. You simply go to the top of the table and use the calendar as it is indicated in the first line. In the next cycle, use it as it is indicated in the second line, and so on and so forth. Um, if we said that ready-made calendars are there to ensure calendrical security, to ensure that you never run out, that you are not left without a calendar, then what's better than a reiterative table? In itself, it covers 247 years, which is a huge range of years. You'll probably not live that long. But even if, even if you do, you can reuse the same calendrical information. Again, you're basically never out of calendar. You'll always have a calendar. The only problem with it is that by using this calendar, you will sometimes be using an incorrect calendar. And this is because reiterative calendars are incompatible with the standard calculation. And this is what I mean by incorrect calendar. Because you are free to use whatever calendar, but if you decide that the standard calculation is the correct calendar for the Jewish community, and this was the accepted opinion in, um, in the Jewish communities at the time that we're talking about, then this reiterative calendar is incompatible with it in a certain number of years, not in a large number of years. What I mean is that if you calculate the calendar for um, a range of 247 years, and then use it again for the next 247 years. Most years, the calendrical information will be correct. But some, between 2 to 17, it has been calculated by a mathematician, not me, some 2 to 17 years will be off. 
And indeed, what you find in the tables in the manuscript and the, in my one example, this table that tells you that it covers cycles from um, 264 to 277 has not been produced for these cycles. It actually carries mistakes, carries calendrical information um, for all the cycles that are not as such covered by this table. And I mark those years where the table is not correct by orange. Can you see my mouse? I can't see it there. So in these years, the calendrical information is actually outdated and it comes from years 247 years earlier. If you follow the advice in the note below the table and reuse the table for the next 247 years, you're going to, write into, uh, to run into more trouble. Uh, because in addition to the years that were already incorrect, um, in the original table, you're going to have problems in the years that are marked blue. Um, you can see that for large stretches of time, there will not be any trouble using this calendar. You can very safely use it. But if you happen to live, say, in this part, in, in the time covered by this part of the table, very often your calendar is going to be off the standard calculation. And because at this time it is very serious and very important for the Jewish community to preserve and main to maintain calendar unanimity, that everybody follows the same calendar, everybody celebrates at the same time, this is considered a serious problem, a violation of commandments related to holidays, profanation of the festivals, and as this Yemenite source tells us, this by God is very serious. Um, but this is also why it is interesting for our project, because at a period when calendar unanimity and using a standard calendar is considered extremely important, you see hundreds of sources that carry a calendar that is clearly incompatible with the standard. Um, and this is where the problem or the questions are, and this is what I've been studying. So the questions then that we've been asking is when, where, and in particular, why was the 247-year cycle introduced? How did it spread? Was it known at all that, is it, that it is incompatible with the standard calendar? If it was known, then why was it still used? And did it cause calendar disagreements? Uh, well, um, try to answer those questions shortly or uh, we'll see. Now, first of all, the origins of the 247-year cycle. Um, I told you before that in, it largely fits with the standard calculation, deviating from it in a small number of years, between 2 and 17. For this and a number of other technical reasons, it is clear that the 247-year cycle is actually based on the standard calculation. Somebody looked at the standard calculation and discovered that after 247 years, the calendar does not repeat itself exactly, but repeats itself very closely to, to exactly. So it's very close to a cycle. The earliest sources that um, 
talk about this calendar and present this calendar associated with the name of somebody called Rabbi Josiah ben Mavurach al-Akuli, about whom we don't know much, but who seems to be of Babylonian origins and lived in the second half of the 10th century. And this is also what the information in the earliest calendars of this type, um, the calendar information also fits with um, its origins in the second half of the 10th century. And this, I think, is significant and may give a clue as to why it was introduced. This is my conjecture, so I'm warning you. <laughs> but um, this calendar seems to have been introduced after the big and important calendar dispute of 921, about which Sasha spoke in his keynote lecture, that involved the Babylonian and the Palestinian Jewish communities calculating the Jewish calendar slightly differently and in a particular year arriving to different results and celebrating holidays differently. Um, for one thing, this dispute showed that uh, using a calculated calendar is not, does not yet guarantee calendar unanimity. And it seems to me that it could be that this cycle was proposed as a countermeasure, as an, um, uh, the, the idea being, now let's calculate, let's all, to, all calculate information for 247 years and actually use it as a calendar as a means of preventing future calendar disputes. Let's all just use the same table forever. This is a conjecture, but it seems to me a better conjecture than when people say, oh, whoever proposed this calendar just wasn't careful enough. They didn't check it through and didn't realize it didn't work. I'm not that sure. I think a user cannot realize it doesn't work, but whoever institutes a, a mathematically based scheme probably thinks it through. It seems to me. Um, it's very clear that this suggestion of using this as an alternative calendar instead of the calculation was not accepted. The standard calculation remained the standard Jewish calendar, but the cycle also wasn't abandoned completely. Because it's such a good approximation of the standard calculation, it kept on being used, but only to set the standard calendar with the mistakes that it created. Uh, now, um, originating in the second half of the 10th century, already by the, in the Orient, uh, already by the 12th century, you find it uh, pretty much everywhere in the Jewish world, 12th or 13th for, for some areas. You find it in Ashkenaz, that is Germany and Northern France in Sfarad, Spain and Provence, Italy, Byzantium, all over the Yemenite sphere. You also find it in Latin works on Jewish calendar, and there I'm referring to Philip. This is quoting his results. Yes. So all questions you have about reiterative calendars in Latin works, go there. <laughs> and also interestingly, although a later uh, a later source, a 17th century source on the Samaritan calendar. Uh, which is a pure astronomical calendar, mentions this calendar. So it was known more widely than just within the Jewish calendar, lit Jewish literature. 
um, quite, quite what the trajectory for its spread was, was my dream to establish, but I don't know how to go about it. Um, as the cycle spread, something interesting happened to it. If you remember, I said that the earlier sources um, attribute this cycle to somebody called Rabbi Josiah ben Megurach Alakuli. However, if you look it up in catalogs of Jewish manuscripts, in uh, books about the Jewish calendar, or in any secondary literature, most commonly you'll find it attributed to somebody called Rav Nachshon Gaon, and with the title Igul. Igul in Hebrew means cycle or circle. So this is the, the most common name, Igul, of Rav Nachshon Gaon. Rav Nachshon Gaon was the head of the Academy of Sura in Babylonia or Iraq in the late 9th century. Uh, we don't know of any works by him to do with calendar, but most importantly, this association with Rav Nachshon does not start to seem from the beginning of the scheme, and the scheme does not seem to start in the 9th century. This association suddenly springs up towards the very end of the 12th century, um, and although it is known in most areas, if you look at the numbers, many more manuscripts do not associate with cycle with Rav Nachshon Gaon than do, and in most areas um, this is true, except for Ashkenaz, where equal numbers of manuscripts associate this cycle with Rav Nachshon Gaon and don't associate it with Rav Nachshon Gaon. And because most um, catalogers of Hebrew manuscripts probably knew Ashkenazi, come from Western Europe, but probably knew Ashkenazi literature a little bit better, I think this is how the, the title and the, the attribution went into the um, research literature. But um, I'm interested in why this cycle suddenly acquired a new name, a new attribution, and um, um, and an attribution to head of an academy, a highly authoritative person. And I think this is the key. Um, the cycle probably needed more authority uh, than ju being just some scheme. Um, and the head, head of an academy could really add authority to the scheme. On the other hand, Rav Nachshon Gaon is not a very well-known authority. Um, so you probably didn't run into too much risk ascribing something to him rather than to um, very known people where it could be refuted or sort of people could say, ah, we never heard this being by him. So it seems to me that this is um, an attempt to give the cycle more authority but not run into, um, into too much trouble. Why that happened in the Ashkenaz is my research question, which I have not yet answered, but if you have ideas, do come forward. Um, now, I, on my list of questions was, um, was to find out whether it was known at all that the cycle was incompatible with the standard calculation. And it is very clear that it was known, at least to scholars, from at least the 12th century, that the cycle did not work. Um, um, a source here tells you, learned people know that it is incorrect, and they usually go on to prove mathematically why it doesn't work and why it can't work. 
But together with this, in very many sources, you also find people trusting this calendar unreservedly, saying by using this cycle one will never err, it is impossible to be without it, and even God agrees with it. And if God agrees, you don't argue. Um, this was, oh, do I need to finish now? No, no. Okay. This was helped by the cycle being included in ver various legal codes, uh, for, um, which also probably added to its uh, apparent trustworthiness. Whereas, trustworthiness, sorry. Um, so what you get, you get a cycle that it is known that it is incorrect, it is trusted on the other hand by people who are maybe less learned and it is very often copied and I can show that it is also used, not just copied, but people, people at least make notes in those manuscripts, you can see dates added to it and dates changed. For example, this calendar did not originally had dates from Annamundi, but somebody wanted to use it in year 1447 and 48. So he marked where, his, where he is in the table, not to lose his place. Here as well, you see it was originally covering cycles starting from 261. So here as the next cycle, you'll expect 262. But that was too late for the user, too early, no, too late. Anyway, <laughs> whoever used the cycle uh, probably wanted to use it for the next iteration in the cycles 275, 6, and 7. So they scraped the old dates and added the new ones in. Here, um, which is an Italian version of this cycle copied in Sfardi, characters, you can also see dates added uh, for the new, for the next iteration of the cycle, and this time in Arabic numbers used for the date, which is not at all common in Jewish calendar, calendar tables. And there at the top you see people actually correcting the calendar. They found that there are mistakes in there and corrected, and I can tell you that uh, some corrections are actually well-deserved, whereas very often you also find corrections that correct um, data that is correct into something incorrect. But what it shows you is that people actively work with those calendars. Oh, no, I'm not. Two minutes. Okay. Um, so very well used. Why? Why would you use an inaccurate calendar? Um, among the most important reasons seem that there is no communal office of a calendar maker. Nobody seems to be in particular responsible for setting the calendar. Uh, scholars will know how to do it, but will every community have a calendar scholar? If not, then they may be, the commu a community may be unaware of the inaccuracy of this calendar or an, an, unable to set calendar by calculation. Um, and using this calendar is actually invariably linked to lack of knowledge. Um, if you look at either of these two quotations, they'll connect the lack of knowledge and deficiency of learning with 
the use of the cycle because it is simple and easy to grasp. Um, and one of them says, our feet would collapse in our long exile and through our lack of knowledge, were it not for Rabbi Nachshon, who fixed 13 cycles of 19 years that repeat themselves forever. But this source also knows that there are some changes, some mistakes in the calendars, and they're easy to correct. Easy maybe for some people, not so easy for others, but um, those corrections did happen, as I showed you. Um, so I'm claiming that this calendar is actually a popular scheme. It's not a scientific, not a scholarly way of calendating, but a popular way of calendating. It's there as a long-term solution to calendar problems in case you can't set the calendar by the official calculation. It doesn't require much prior knowledge. And um, in the end, it's a very good approximation of the standard calendar. It's way better than nothing. Um, if you discount scribal mistakes, which can ruin the scribal mistakes, can ruin more than actually using the reiterative calendar. Very, very briefly, um, if I'm telling you that so many copies exist and people actively use it, do we find documents dated according to this calendar? And this is where the disappointments come. Because so far I have not found a single document where you can see that the date is wrong in such a way that it doesn't fit the standard calendar but fits the reiterative calendar. Um, one way to explain this is that it is very difficult to find fully dated texts for the particular years where the problems happen. If you have two or three years per century, it's a stroke of luck to find a text that is fully dated for these particular years. And actually more in more years um, would be susceptible to those mistakes in early modern times, so we need to be looking at early modern documents, maybe more than at, at medieval documents. On the other hand, uh, another explanation for why things like that don't happen is that because people actually communicate. And precisely because these calendars are so widespread, scholars also have a copy or a manuscript that has a copy. And if they notice that what's in the copy does not fit with their calculation, they distribute this knowledge. And um, although I do not have documents with wrong dates, I do find records of disputes where people say, oh, we discovered that reiterative calendar is incorrect. This is how you should actually be calendating for these and these years. And I have three cases. Uh, one from Yemen in the 14th century, one from Adinyong in the 15th century, and another from Russia in the very early 20th century, and this is my home. Um, uh, and in all these cases, um, what we know is that people who are not scholars used reiterative calendar, and, some, and, and they've been notified by others, by scholars, that there's a mistake there, there's a problem, no, 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 don't use it in these particular years. Use what we're telling you. Um, if you give me another minute, I'll show one example. If you, um, I chose to show you quickly an example from Avignon in, uh, uh, um, in the 15th century. It is a, we have a letter 
from uh, somebody called Mordechai Nathan, and we know that he was a scholar, to his uncle, Don Boniaka Struk, the prince, and you can tell from his title that he is somebody high in the community. Yeah, Don and prince. Um, we don't have Don Boniaka Struk's letter. We only have uh, Mordechai Nathan's reply to that letter, but we can infer uh, quite a bit of information from, from that letter. It becomes clear that Don Boniaka Struk trusted the reiterative calendar, and it was actually him who said that it is impossible to be without this table. But in a particular years in 1430s, he was warned by somebody from Tarascon, not even from his city Avignon, but from a uh, close by city in Provence, that there are mistakes in the reiterative tables in two years, 1436 and 37. And these are these, the first two years that I colored here. You can see from my copy of the calendar that there are actually mistakes in three years in, in a row. And, uh, if you use a reiterative calendar here, but he was only used by Tarasconians about the first two. He was immediately worried because probably he didn't have any other means of setting the calendar other than using this reiterative scheme. So he wrote to his nephew, who was a scholar, asking him to send him another reiterative calendar, but without the mistakes, please. Um, to which uh, Mordechai Nathan said, no, no, there are mistakes not in two years, but in three years. And anyway, the cal this calendar doesn't work. And if you want to have a ready-made calendar, can I please offer you another calendar that is not reiterative, that is still long-term, and you can safely use it. And um, by the way, this is not necessarily a can calendar that Don Boniaka Struk used, but it is also from a Provence manuscript. So this is something, um, something probably something similar to the to the table that is that has caused this correspondence. And I think this is also this uh, sort of along these lines. Um, it went. Yeah, I'm finishing. Along these lines, it happened that people could still. Uh, follow the correct calendar even when they relied on reiterative tables. And sometimes those mistakes probably simply weren't discovered and then we don't hear about them. Um, thank you. I'm shown a zero minutes time, so I'm finishing here. <laughs> thank you. Ten minutes, maybe during the, the questions, and as maybe you'll be able to show more more evidence. Um, basically, conclusions. I'll yes. show my con oh, I'll show my conclusions to freshen your memory. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yes, two remarks. First, uh, I mean it's entirely um, um, intuitive to say about a long calendar because communication takes place. Uh, there is a parallel with the Islamic situation, uh -huh. uh, because the Islamic calculated calendars are wrong, because uh, the actual dates were, uh, were fixed by observation of the new moon. Therefore, they were proved wrong. But of course, it, the, the correct uh, uh, beginning of a month was communicated in the town. And uh, so it was corrected. And we have even in, uh, uh, in, in uh, historical works, we have the situation that at the first day, of, um, uh, of a month, 
uh, a certain day of the week was given, and the third or uh, second or third day of the month, it was corrected to another day because uh, an observation has become became communicated. So this is, uh, I think, this is very summary said. Then there is um, a point. Uh, you said that the standard uh, Jewish calendar is not reiterative. Yeah. But I mean. As far as I know, it is it consists of cyclical procedures. So I mean, the the least common multiple of these cycles would give a, a, a cycle of the whole calendar that it reiterates. Yeah, but it's, but it's slightly shorter it's than eight thousand years, so it's yes, not it's practic practically reiterated. <laughs> well, you have better numerical memory. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it's not practically reiterative. Yeah, yeah you, practically you, you, you're right. Yeah. And just two comments, and they are not 100% related, but I really like um, that you uh, bring to our attention again the problem that we are all struggling with is what happens if the calendar does not uh, adhere to a standard, whatever the standard is. So, and, and this is a problem that you have in the Arabic world. This is a problem that we have in the early medieval world. 84 year. Easter tables are the same thing. Uh -huh. uh, of the observable reality uh, after one iteration. Uh, and there was, in certain parts, the parts that, that I'm working on in Ireland, um, they were still used when the observable reality was four to five days off from uh, what you have in the calendar. So our problem is in the same way is, did they not communicate? Did they not try to, to uh, change it? Uh, how did that work in reality? Why did they still follow uh, a rule that is so blatantly off what you what you can see in the sky uh, limited answers there but it may be an analogy uh, i don't know but it's, it's it has to do with authority and it has to do with in that case the theological implications of the calendar itself uh, i suppose and the other thing that struck me is it's a slight it's unrelated to a census as well but um, the easter calculation that becomes the standard that was the standard in the east first and then becomes the standard from 800 onwards in all of christendom uh, it's a 532-year uh, mm -hmm. table, 20, 28 times 19, but it breaks down into periods of uh, 95, 95, 95, and 247 years. Invented in Alexandria in uh, the late third century. Um, so I was wondering that. Uh, so your number 247 uh, has a parallel there, which is not uh, used as a cycle, but it is a, 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 it is a part of the cycle of that cycle. Right, thank you. Uh, now, a question. Uh, one option would be that Rabbi uh, uh, Mashon Gaon was the originator of this uh, iterative calendar, and uh, in the second half of the ninth century, uh, close to Baghdad. So, my question is is there any relation to the Treaty of Al Khorezmi on the Jewish calendar? The Jewish calendar, as such, takes the, Sasha is probably a better person to take this one, but the Jewish calendar is such um, the Molad value, value for the calculation of the Jewish calendar as such is first attested, attested in Juarezmi's uh, book, isn't it? So this is how, this is the first one we hear about um, the calculation basis of the Jewish calendar. Um, but this is correct for the standard calculation more than for this retreat. Yeah. And of course, the decisive point is that uh, Biruni, who gave
gives this extremely detailed account of the Jewish calendar, never mentions this. If he had known about it, he would have put on his yeah, thank you. And also in the dispute correspondence where they talk ex in the 921 dispute correspondence um, um, about between the Palestinians and Babylonians, um, where they talk extensively about the calendar, it doesn't come up. So chances are it didn't exist before, before this period. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to thank you, first of all, for this paper thing to explain, but um, as time goes on and you give one paper and another paper and another paper, it just gets clearer and clearer. So, thank you. Um, uh, thank you for that. Um, yeah, I just want to make one additional remark, which is that the, the reiterative 247-year calendar is actually pretty good. Um, it's actually quite a good calendar. And... Um, in theory, it could have been made the orthodox, correct Jewish calendar. Um, it, it actually doesn't deviate that much from the moon, from the, the, the actual moon, and um, um, it's, it's in a way a simpler calendar to operate than the, the complex calculation. Um, and although, of course, it deviates from the Molas calendar, but the Molas calendar is also not perfect anyway, so. Um, uh, so one could have sort of imagined a scenario where, where this would have become the, the, the orthodox authority. One. The interesting thing is that it doesn't. And although one or two manuscripts you, you say, say that this is the best calendar and God agrees with it and so on and so forth, but there is nevertheless an overwhelming assumption uh, through the Middle Ages that this calendar is incorrect and the correct calendar is a scholarly one which is based on a calculation. And I think it's, it's just interesting that, that um, you know, this sort of um, assumption that the, the truth has to go back to science and to scholarship. I think it's an interesting sort of thing to reflect on. Um, I completely agree. It's not a few manuscripts that say that this cycle is correct, but they assume that it is correct within the standard calendar, that it is a valid way of fixing the standard calendar. They don't assume that it is incorrect as an, is it, that it is correct as an alternative to the standard calendar. Okay, I just want to say, were there certain manuscripts that said both it's incorrect and it is correct in a single manuscript? Or some said it is correct and some said it is incorrect? No, some, um, usually the more scientific, scientifically mined manuscripts say that it is incorrect, um, whereas uh, others trust it, and they are a very large group of manuscripts. But as, as I say, they trust it as a means of setting the orthodox calendar, not as a, not as a separate alternative calendar. Thank you. Yeah.